what does it even mean? Like, can machines really outpower humans and so, so on? And I kind of feel like that's still my thread of fascination that I do outside of my work <laughs> in some ways, like sort of really uh, being, being still amazed at what possibilities there are. Welcome to Warner Brothers Discovery's Empowered Women podcast. I'm Janelle Gardner, Senior Director of Talent here at Warner Brothers Discovery, and we're so excited to bring you conversations with some of technology's most talented and inspiring women. Our aim is simple, to showcase and celebrate the many groundbreaking contributions of women in tech, and to inspire and nurture our community of female tech talent. In our first episode, we dive into the fascinating topic of machine learning and content streaming with five of WBD's talented female technologists. Machine learning, what is it? How is it evolving? And how do you build a career in this space? Hi, everyone. It's super exciting to be here, and I'm uh, really excited to kick off these series. Um, I haven't personally met all of the panelists yet, not all of them, but I'm so excited to learn about them. So I will first start with um, my background and how I sort of got into machine learning. So I'm Deepna Devkar. I head up the data intelligence team at CNN Digital, uh, which consists of data platform, machine learning, and analytics. Um, the way I got into machine learning is um, I have a background in computational neuroscience, so I got my PhD and I moved to NYU to do my postdoc and fell in love with the city. And um, yeah, so I wanted to figure out what it is that I was gonna do with my life because I had realized that academia was not that. Um, the reason for that was because um, I realized that I love working with data and I've been doing that for a better part of my life now. Um, but it was really the impact that you can drive using data that really excited me. Um, and I, I, I loved fast turnaround time. I loved, you know, immediate tangible impact. And so with, with some soul searching like that and um, serendipity as well, I ended up in the field of data science and machine learning. And um, yeah, I think media is just such an exciting field. We're in the field of entertainment and there's a lot of opportunity to apply machine learning. So I'm super excited to learn from these ladies about how they use machine learning within their worlds. And so I will let them introduce themselves. So how about we start with you, Ashwini? Sure. So hi everyone, I'm Ashwini Zoshi. I'm a software engineer at Discovery Plus Search Team. To talk about my background and also my journey into ML, um, after completing my bachelor's in computer science, I joined Indian Space Research Organization as a computer scientist. There, I got an opportunity to work on a couple of cool machine learning projects. Like in this one project, we sort of use um, satellite positioning parameters to predict the satellite imagery losses ahead of time. And that gave me sort of taste of machine learning and really piqued my interest. I was fascinated by this whole concept of imparting intelligence to machines. And that's when I decided to pursue my master's um, with the focus in artificial intelligence and machine learning. So I completed my master's from uh, UIUC, University of Illinois Urbana-Champaign. And 
Afterwards, I worked in the field of conversational AI, natural language processing, voice assistants. Uh, I, when I joined Discovery, I was part of the team called as Emerging Platforms Team. So we mainly focused on making the discovery specific, uh, specifically food network content available on voice assistant platforms to enable natural language and hands-free access in the kitchen. And um, in my current position uh, as a part of the search team, we are trying to integrate machine learning experiences onto the search to enhance the overall experience. And I have been working on machine learning and machine learning adjust adjacent fields for a, quite some time now. And I'm still a software engineer at heart. So it's focused more on sort of application part of machine learning. So yeah, that's about my background. Uh, over to you, Deepa. Thanks, Ashwini. And thanks, Deepna, for getting us started. Uh, I'm Deepa Paranjpe. Um, I lead the uh, data ML efforts in Discovery Plus. Uh, I'm a director of engineering. Uh, my background has been largely in uh, big tech, uh, machine learning, artificial intelligence, and natural language processing, sort of working at the intersection of research, uh, innovation, and then application to um, ads. Uh, prior to joining Discovery, I was uh, at Google and uh, Yahoo Research for a span of over 15 years. Um, and I've kind of played a variety of roles uh, in terms of being a scientist, a research engineer, an ML engineer, sort of really getting a flavor of the whole stack. Uh, my move to discovery is really sort of putting the end to end together. Um, I've, I've kind of been parts of efforts of innovation and TensorFlow uh, application of that of deep learning to uh, sort of giant efforts like YouTube ads, um, uh, Google search, for example. Um, the, the part that I'm super excited and I, I'll, I'll be talking about it more in our session uh, of what we are doing in discovery is really sort of piecing those things together and then applying all the innovation that is happening in the field applying to our real problem, a real world problem of making business impact um, with those techniques, primarily in video streaming. And so really excited to be here and uh, really honored to be part of this panel. Uh, with that, I will hand it over to Tejal, uh, who works closely um, with me as well on the discovery side. Thank you, Eva. Hi everyone, I am Tejal. Um, I'm an applied data scientist on the personalization team at Discovery Plus. Um, how I got started in machine learning, I think it's a little mainstream. I got interested in machine learning through media articles after I completed my bachelor's. I was really fascinated by the way uh, machine learning was kind of being used in a lot of domains, be it like healthcare, defense, media, everything. So I just got interested to learn like, how are these things happening? And um, I started reading about it. It's a very vast domain, so it was quite overwhelming at the beginning, but um, few courses online, and that's when I decided I wanted to like actually change my career and go into machine learning, start working more hands-on on it. So I pursued my master's in data science from University of Southern California, and I joined um, 
Walmart prior to Discovery, where I had the opportunity of working again in their personalization team on recommender systems. Again, a very fascinating domain for me. Um, yeah, so pretty excited to be here. And I think next would be uh, Nina. Thanks, Nadal. Um, hi, everybody. Really excited to be here, like everyone else on the panel. I am Nina Atkin. I lead the Central Data Science Organization at Discovery. Um, my path was a little bit different. Um, when I started out, I knew I was good at analytics. Uh, in college, I really liked it, but I didn't really know what path to take. I switched my major a few times. I ended up landing on uh, finance and economics. And uh, with the support of family, they really pushed me into, if you like analytics, you gotta go into math and statistics. And that's really the direction I took. From undergrad, I went to uh, Ernst & Young and it was really mentored through a, a, a big part of my career there in statistics, uh, statistical modeling. We supported banks and financial institutions with credit risk and regulatory risk management. So a lot of the typical regression-based approaches and it was really great to be part of teams solving those problems. Um, I decided to go back and get my master's in math and statistics at Georgetown. I realized this is the path I want to take. I really love this. I wanted to have a stronger foundation. So I did that. And then I decided to try out a few new industries. I went into defense, I went into healthcare, learned a lot about different methods, different use cases. And um, I fell into discovery with uh, a friend that had known about uh, the first data science role. They had never really known what to do with data uh, and media when I joined. So it was really exciting to be one of the first in and really support this evolution of, of, of using data to make more informed decisions and in teaching and, and really help to start to build out a practice um, that was really driving decisions and innovation. So it's been a really great path. I love media, I watch a lot of television. Uh, so it's been pretty much my dream to, to continue to, to be in this industry. Um, so yeah, really looking forward to the conversation and thank you for being here. Awesome. I, I love the diversity of backgrounds that we have here uh, because it speaks to what kind of opportunities there are to break into the field and, in, and ways in which you can apply it to this field. So I'm curious, I mean, just in our introductions, you mentioned so many different aspects of machine learning alone. And I'm sure as we discuss more, you'll talk a little bit about the work that you do uh, within discovery. And there are so many applications of it, even within this industry. So I'm curious, um, Ashwini, why don't, I, why don't I ask you first, but please feel free to, others feel free to join as well. What is your definition? What is your simplest definition of machine learning? So for me, it's in the name. So it's all about the ability to learn, like making machines learn, make them identify patterns. Um, we have always tried to sort of mimic humans and we humans are really good at pattern de uh, detections, pattern identification. So if I give you a elephant picture, you, even if it's not a good picture or even if it's a drawing, not a great drawing, drawing by me, let's say, you would still probably be uh, able to identify and label it as an elephant. But that has not been an easy problem to solve for machines because machines traditionally have been working in sort of deterministic way. It's like, this is the expected input. This is the actual input. 
not an elephant. But what, how does machine learning solve that problem is by introducing fuzziness. So introducing, now it's all about probabilities. It's all about like confidence levels. And secondly, machine learning tries to solve that problem through data. So you train it with millions and millions uh, pictures of pictures, drawings of elephant. And then even if it's a picture that it has never seen before, in other words, it's not there in its training set, still it's able to label it correctly. And I think that's how, that's what machine learning is being able to learn from patterns rather than this explicit rule defined. Like try to imagine if you have to code for this, like if the pixel near this is this, that means it's a trunk and that means it's an elephant. It's just impossible. So what instead machine learning does is it learns from patterns. So you feed the data and let the algorithm identify the pattern. So I think that's where that learning comes in. And I think that's where the word intelligence comes in, artificial intelligence. Instead of explicit rule defining, you feed the data and let the algorithm figure it out. So that's my definition of machine learning. Great, I love those examples. To uh, add to that, I mean, uh, one part about my journey into machine learning was sort of really driven uh, being back in college, reading Tom Mitchell's book on machine learning the first time and thinking about how similar the notion of learning for machines is uh, similar to uh, human learning. Uh, I think Deepna, that's one place like you, you've, you've been in the cognitive neuro, neurobiology field. Um, you'll relate to that as well. Uh, that sort of got me started into like being fascinated by what can happen, like uh, sort of artificial intelligence and like sort of robotics and a lot of like really deeper philosophical questions of what does it even mean? Like, can machines really outpower humans and so, so on? And I kind of feel like that's still my thread of fascination that I do outside of my work <laughs> in some ways, like sort of really uh, being, being still amazed at what possibilities there are. Um, but I think in coming back to our real world, uh, to me, machine learning has really been about a lot about automation, a lot about do, letting the machine do tasks that humans shouldn't be wasting their time on. Um, in, in, there are a lot of categories, especially when it comes to video streaming and text categorization, um, I've, I've spent a lot of time sort of working at large scale problems where uh, without a doubt, uh, the machines are going to be able to do a better job. Um, you don't need 100% accuracy. We are actually reaching like very high accuracies in uh, like categorization and classification, the traditional machine learning tasks. Um, but there is still so much innovation needed. And I was kind of going to also talk about what I do in discovery is, is, is really sort of the starting point of the entire machine learning platform. And so I work on the data side. I work on the data platform, which I feel is like the funnel, the, the, the starting of this uh, uh, platform that's leading into the machine learning. So in a way, kind of, preparing the ground for us to be able to train models well in the real world and like in, in video streaming and so on. I think there is there are challenges. And again, like machine learning is coming to our rescue when we are trying to do anomaly detection, trying to figure out how can we get 
data that's good quality um, so that our machine learning models can be used to the greatest benefit. Um, but sort of like my thread of really uh, uh, being fascinated with AI uh, and artificial intelligence sort of ties really deeply into also um, what are really the practical problems. Um, Nina is like one of the consumers of our uh, data platform. And so she she has like a amazing set of data scientists uh, who are like the statisticians and they have all PhDs and um, uh, sort of uh, more of the mathematical side of machine learning. Uh, but oftentimes it's like, you, you're not getting the right data, you have data that's noisy, um, you aren't able to get a handle on how to fix it. And to me, it's like, this is a place where I don't think humans will be able to do much. Let's get the machines to kind of help us figure out how to get the right set of data. Like if you if you look at the machine learning community right now, there are, there are statements like thrown by gurus that, the era of big data is over, right? And to me, it's like, yes, but if that's an assumption where you're assuming that all your data is really clean, maybe you don't need gigantic amounts of data if your data was really clean. Right now, we are dealing with a huge sort of fire hose of data coming through to us, then trying to figure out what's that small chunk which will uh, sort of help us do better. So in my opinion, no, the era of big data isn't over. I think this is the date, this is a time where big data is going to be more at the forefront, but we are going to talk more about what is it about the data that we want to kind of uh, solve. So to me, it's like machine learning is a lot, it's the whole end-to-end -end process. I think modeling is one thing we've all been fascinated with. Uh, data preparation is like a big, uh, big uh, sort of something that I'm currently focusing on myself right now. Yeah, to add to that, I would say in this field, the data preparation is really 90 plus percent of the work. And I think that's really important to know getting into um, machine learning data science. I would say coming more from the statistical side, as Deepa mentioned, what we think about is really the algorithm, right? Linear regression is a machine learning algorithm uh, used to create, a, it could be a simple model. Uh, we think about, are these algorithms that we're leveraging the right methods to solve the problem we're trying to solve? We really try to tie it back to that business value and business outcome. Um, and that's a lot of work to really think about is this data that Deepa's team providing and really trying to improve what we need to get a signal is this method really what we need to use to provide a clear business outcome uh, sometimes you have to step back and go maybe we need to think of a solution that's not a data solution because we don't have the data and so that's all part of this end-to-end -end process that Deepa was mentioning and it's it's a very um, exciting process once you realize that there is more to, to data science machine learning than just passing the data um, through the, the models or through the algorithms to build the model. I think um, everyone kind of summed it up really well, what machine learning is. Uh, if I have to like tell it in one statement, um, I think machine learning, you can think of it as like building mathematical models uh, to like help computers learn to solve certain set of problems. So that's something I think of 
uh, what machine learning is. But in the real industry, coming to what Deepa and Meena said, what machine learning is not is just building models. Uh, I am guilty of also having uh, this misconception when I started out thinking that, okay, machine learning is just about building fancy models, a uh, lot of mathematics, you read a lot of papers, try to implement everything. Uh, but then you get into the industry and then you see that, okay, that's not really true. It's not that easy. Getting the data, uh, finding sources to actually get different features that you want to put into the model, all that is like a big part of what machine learning is out in the industry. So it's it may not sound as fancy as building state-of-the-art models, but it definitely is fun because you understand where you're getting that data, what is originate, where is it originating from? Um, and then you also come across a lot of um, hurdles in getting some things. Like you realize that, okay, that's not available. Then what's the next best? You start thinking in all those lines. And that's something that I learned when I started working in the industry. I think uh, when we do more academic work, like during masters, we get uh, a lot of clean data already given to us. So we don't understand the magnitude of what uh, getting good data is. So that is um, something that holistic or end-to-end -end process that Deepa mentioned is definitely what machine learning is in the industry. Yeah. Great. I think you guys all touched upon what machine learning is, but it's almost hard to talk about what it is without talking about what it is not, right? Because there's so many myths that, that, all, that also exist as far as machine learning goes. And we, machine learning is so ubiquitous. It's embedded in every aspect of our lives. It's almost hard to think of examples where it's not. Um, but I think over time, as machine learning takes over more and more aspects of our lives, it has also led to lots of myths about what it is. And so, and, and feel free to also talk about what it is not. Um, are there some examples of myths you would like to debunk about machine learning? Oh, I would love to debunk one. Uh, machine learning requires some form of historical data. Uh, it's not a magic eight ball. Um, and I think that's the, some of the main myths I've seen in my career is we have no data. Can you run a model to figure out what we should do next? Um, and that's where it really comes down to having a conversation about what exactly you're trying to solve for um, and, and figuring out it, if there's no data, is there a business approach or some analytical approach still to thinking through the problem? But we've come across that quite a bit when uh, we're asked to solve problems without any information to solve them. Uh, anybody else? Deepa, yeah, I think that's a, that's a very, very exciting question. I, I have a couple of myths that I would like to debunk. Uh, one is when I started uh, my career, like when I in the academy of the first time I, I thought of machine learning and all the research papers I read on that, I, I, I felt like those uh, scientists wanted me to believe that it's black magic. It's something that's it's snake oil. It's like really proprietary. Nobody knows what's going on inside this box. And uh, that's one thing if people are still believing in that, that's really not true, uh, especially now. I think with the sort of all the advancements that we've had with being able to have like 
describability of your model, being able to look at your decision tree uh, that, that you've learned and figuring out, okay, why is my model actually giving me this output? There are so many tools and so much advancement that has happened that you can sort of go back and debug and so on. When I first joined Google search, I was actually surprised by how little machine learning was being used. And the primary fear people had was, how are we going to debug if something was to go wrong? Like we are, we are known for our reliability, for our sort of quick turnaround on our querying and so on. Uh, it's it's going to be really hard. But now, I mean, now things have moved to a point where it's like it's a no-brainer. You you are going to use machine learning if there is uh, that scale. So it's not it's not snake oil. It's not black magic. It's uh, if anybody's saying that, don't believe that. The second myth, though, is it's extremely fascinating, but it's not as rosy as everybody thinks or wants to believe that it is. And, and that comes from the part I was um, referring to earlier is that data is still king and there is going to be a lot of sort of uh, credit to folks who have who have that who have domain expertise who know what kind of data they're working with who've been sort of uh, being hands on with the data my one of my mentors uh, he he had like a double phd in statistics and and computer science and he 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 was working on some categorization problem he would take these printouts that that time we were, we were taking a lot of printouts uh, and he would kind of just look at data, like why did this get categorized into this category? And I was like, that's weird. Like, why are you spending so much time with looking through just the data? Shouldn't we be like looking through all the fancy algorithmic details of uh, how are we going to um, sort of, sh should we use uh, Lambda scaling or should we, uh, should we try to use SVM in different styles and so on? And he's like, you know what, in the end, things will sort of work similarly. What's really going in is this data and I need to get really hands-on. So one of my sort of myths, debunking myths, as well as advice to people is really get familiar with the data that you're working with, understand it. And machine learning, what, what you do in machine learning is going to be a big tool. Uh, and, and, and think of it as a tool. Your data is really still the key. So um, yeah, those those are my two sort of uh, mythbusters there. Yeah, Excellent. to add to that, sorry, did I cut anyone off? No, go for it. Yeah, to add to that, I think everybody has covered it really well. Uh, what I would say is the way people look at it as this uh, machine learning being this magic bullet or cure all thing, like anytime there is a problem, just throw machine learning at it. It's not how it works. It depends on the problem at hand. And as Deepa mentioned, like really knowing your data because a machine learning model is as good as the data being fed into it. So just having the mastery on your data, what does it mean? Like, uh, how do you handle outliers? Like uh, understanding patterns of your data. Like if there is seasonality, for example, a food network content might show a lot of traffic when there is, um, let's say Thanksgiving. So just understanding all these nitty gritties and 
that will help with the explainability, like whatever um, Deepa just talked about, like the result that you get, what the results mean, not just like this is my black box and I feed the data and just I get the output. Just understanding it thorough and thorough is really critical. Absolutely. Um, so zooming into the world of content streaming, uh, you guys have covered a lot of ground in terms of how you've applied machine learning in your various fields. But zooming into content streaming, what, what are you doing? How are you applying machine learning in your current role right now? Um, Tejal, do you wanna kick us off? Sure, yeah. So I'm part of the personalization team. So we are a customer facing team. So anytime you come on Discovery Plus, uh, we are somewhere present on your screen. Uh, trying to make something personalized for you. So we make it easier for users to find our content um, on the website. So in terms of machine learning, uh, I majorly focus on building uh, recommendation systems that can help us um, showcase the diverse content that we have based on what the users like. And there are like multiple touch points where we do personalization, not just on your um, streaming service, but also we can send out emails based on like what you like. If a new show that you like has uh, launched a new season, then we send out emails to you saying that, do you want to watch it again? It's back online. So things like that. So uh, that's, I think, um, the core of machine learning that I work on um, in discovery. So. Uh, Deepa, do you want to add to it? Uh, yeah, and so, uh, I mean, Tejal's team and uh, what Tejal uh, sort of um, uh, specializes in is this the machine learning, uh, like the key problem, like personalization, recommendations, um, uh, what we're kind of like thinking of general uh, video streaming, uh, machine, like very, uh, key problems for that. Uh, what I work on, like I was saying, I'm sort of uh, leading the uh, data platform and uh, sort of ingestion into the machine learning models. Um, the the areas where within that that we're we are looking into applying more machine learning is definitely number one anomaly detection, uh, places where where things can. Uh, look anomalous. Can we uh, can we learn these patterns? Can we see what kind of things are uh, are are going wrong in our production systems and so on? So that's sort of my uh, focus right now. And as we are moving towards like more personalization, more features around that, I think there's going to be need for us to kind of invest a lot more in. Uh, data quality and machine learning for doing that. Nina's uh, team uh, is very focused on uh, applying a lot of uh, the platform and the uh, data that's available to the the business side. And uh, Nina, do you want to talk about that? Sure. Uh, so as I mentioned in the intro, our team is very much focused on more of the central use cases. And so that's varied over time. Uh, we really support where it's needed. We helped with recommendations before there was a recommendations team. Most recently, we've really been focused more on understanding our customer base through segmentation, understanding how they're viewing our content so we can better uh, suggest 
what types of, of things they might be interested in working with the recommendations team, but also working with the marketing teams to be able to provide uh, marketing communications on, hey, your, your show's coming up or, hey, you're likely to enjoy this. Uh, so we really spend a lot of time right now on the consumer uh, segmentation, understanding that part. We also support some of the internal business decisions around um, should we invest in this type of marketing? Should we, should we not? And so one of the, the, the areas we focus on is forecasting, which is really taking this historical data to forecast. What do we expect to happen or what, what uh, revenue do we expect to make in the future if, if these customers do join the service? And that's really helpful for the marketing and finance teams to make decisions internally. So I would say we, we support a range we either support our, our, our partners in, in terms of what they're trying to do recommendations or other sides like experimentation provide guidance or we're internally trying to help with uh, actions that can be taken. So it, it's great because we do insights, we do more action oriented uh, modeling with output that feeds systems and it, we really try to focus on what are the core priorities and um, go from there. So we, we get to see a lot of different use cases. Uh, Ashwini, how about you? Yeah, uh, so I am part of search team and for search, I think the most important thing is relevance. How do you make sure that you present the most relevant information at the top? And we, there are so many areas where machine learning can help, be it query understanding, like whatever users are searching for, is it yeah, they're trying to search for show title versus genre versus talent. And in general, uh, while presenting the results, taking user references into the account, and that's where we are working with uh, Tejal's team uh, with, with respect to personalization, recommendations, and search result, making sure not only give them what they're looking for, but also using their patterns, uh, historical patterns, to suggest something which is sort of related to their search. So a lot of machine learning that can help with, in general, content discovery is where really machine learning shines. And so, and kind of like for some of our viewers, the context might be useful. Um, we are uh, like most of the panel is from the Discovery Plus um, app. Uh, Deepna is from uh, CNN, and so we are kind of coming together as uh, as one company, uh, as Warner Brother Discovery, and. Uh, there is Warner Brothers content, and there is CNN and HBO Max and Discovery, um, and that's just to name a few. We we have like sort of a vast amount of really high quality content all coming together, and the goal is is to kind of make it available to everyone globally. Um, uh, in in some sense, it's like if you're looking at competitors like Netflix or or any other streaming. Uh, services uh, to me as a uh, as a machine learning scientist, I kind of feel like we are working off of or we'll we'll be together working off of such high quality uh, content to begin with. Um, and what machine learning can take us or do for us is sort of like it's it's going to be a very fascinating journey. Uh, Netflix, on the other hand, it's like the quality of content co content is is to some degree um, what it is, and then uh, and then they've they've invested for a decade uh, on in machine learning and and so on, and they've they've kind of got gotten a lot out of that. 
and I, I can't I can't sort of wait to see what machine learning will uncover for us. And that's kind of our goal together at WBD to sort of uh, really put, be full steam on and go ahead with uh, with our efforts. So we're just kind of getting started. Yeah, and I think that's that's so exciting for for all of us who are who have the pleasure of getting into the data and and see the product experiences, everything that we do on the back end, how it applies to what our users see uh, on the front end. So you guys touched upon a lot of the product experiences as well, and what you do under the hood sort of powers that. Um, but as you as you mentioned that, and I'm sure there are a lot of attendees here who are watching. We're trying to get into the field of machine learning because you know it's it's fun, it's it's the shiny new thing, and it's it's so exciting. But it can also be intimidating because all of the ground that you've just talked about, and that's a very small subset of machine learning in itself. Um, there are applications everywhere, but even within the subset of content streaming, um, what would you say are the core skills um, that that sort of power these experiences? I think it depends on what the individual is interested in doing because there's a very broad range of what you could do with machine learning. You can do more engineering. So you probably want to have computer science skills, um, more advanced programming skills, understanding how to put models into production. You might be wanting to be the one really focused on the science around the algorithms. You really want a strong foundation in statistics and mathematics. Um, you might want to be doing software engineering, so more of the UI that's probably gonna require more of the software um, skills. I think mentorships is really huge. Me getting mentorship from people who've been through uh, this and have gone and grown the, their career, especially now where it is getting um, very competitive to get into the field. And there, there is um, a lot of people that have that experience. It's great to get that mentorship. And I think that will help um, with guiding individuals on where they wanna go or what they really don't wanna do. Yeah, and uh, sort of like um, skills and like uh, if people are interested in this or like I, I would urge people, uh, women, men equally uh, to get into machine learning. I think this is this has been a, a sort of um, a pioneering field for, for, for a long time, but I think it's just the beginning. It's going to be go even just growing. Um, one uh, sort of in just in terms of the skill set, I think there's a lot out there in terms of courses and uh, and companies that are making uh, training courses available. And if if you want to kind of get a flavor of what it what machine learning looks like, definitely good places to start. Um, one uh, advice though, don't limit yourself if you have to be from computer science or you have to be with a math background and so on. The challenges that are uh, that we are facing today with respect to like biases, like how how can we make machine learning so that we don't yeah, we don't introduce gender bias or economic bias into our models? Um, it's it's been, it's kind of clear that you need people from a variety of different backgrounds and fields at the table. You need people who have legal backgrounds, who have who, people who've come from psychology, uh, from biology, from medicine, 
to come all together and, and then bring their creativity in solving a lot of these problems. So when you're thinking of machine learning and applying it to industry, uh, video streaming is like, is like I think one example where uh, you, you'll, you'll start to face these problems and would want to solve these problems right away from the get-go. Let my model not be biased towards a certain population and, um, and because it's, it's hard to uh, sort of go, go back from there. Uh, so I think it's for us, it's like a amazing opportunity of people from different backgrounds um, sort of work with us. Uh, and so grow your skill sets, but don't think that you, if you aren't an engineer or a computer scientist, this is not for you. I think this is, this is a field where you can bring in your creativity and apply the real problems. Yeah, and add to that, um, as Nina and Deepa mentioned, it depends on your area and machine learning. It's such a beautiful intersection of so many multiple fields. So there are so many entry points. Like when I worked in natural language processing, I always used to regularly meet with linguistic people who had no computer science background. So there is always a path to entry into this field. Just decide what really motivates you. And uh, there are many ways to stay up to date with the current, uh, current industry trends, be it through blogs or conferences. So just be in the know, carve out your niche. Again, you need not be restricted to it, but it's a good entry point. So yeah, that would be my advice. Something to add on to or think about uh, when we talk about skills that are needed is I think uh, under the machine learning umbrella itself, we have a lot of different roles. So we have data analysts, we have applied data scientists, we have research scientists, we have a whole range of roles and each of these roles kind of specialize in something different. Like data analysts, they look a lot into the data, like as an applied data scientist, we do too, but they do a lot more. They help product make a lot more informed decisions based on the data. So one thing that I would say for an applied data scientist um, would be like, one is we kind of need to have some kind of mathematical understanding, probably not like a very formal education in like mathematics and statistics, because I can vouch for it. I did my undergrad in telecommunication very far from computer science. So I can vouch for it that uh, we can uh, enter this field even without a computer science background. But what is more important is uh, probably having that passion for this field because you need to keep updating yourself a lot because this field is so fast evolving. You need to keep updating yourself. You need to do a lot of reading and everything. So that is one thing uh, that we will have to uh, keep in mind. The other thing is if you want to be applied scientist, then again, like software engineering skills, programming, those things again form another set of skill set that we want to probably like improve upon. So yeah, it depends more on like where you want to uh, enter this machine learning umbrella under what role, what interests you more. And there are a lot of opportunities for everyone out here, definitely. Thank you for uh, giving a great segue because I'm looking at the, the Q&A and it's popping up with questions. All of these things that you mentioned, Deepa, like the, um, the bias in machine learning, that could be a whole topic on its own. We could spend all the time talking about that. So uh, time is flying by quickly and I wish we had more time to touch upon all of these things. Um, but why don't we start the, the Q&A? Because it seems like a lot of the things that I was gonna go into 
two are already popping up here. Uh, Janelle, do you want to take the Q&A? Yeah, absolutely. What a great session, guys. Okay, so first question we have, how can we expect innovative new ways of problem solving through ML if the recommendations are always based on historical data? Well, everything is historical in terms of like what you did yesterday kind of impacts what you're gonna do tomorrow, today and then tomorrow and tomorrow. The innovation comes from like thinking about what algorithms or like what methods can we use to solve problems in new ways. And, and a lot of it is having these uh, scientists, mathematicians, engineers just start working out new ways to solve those problems. Um, the other thing is, even if you're working with historical data, it could be data from 10 seconds ago. It could be data from five seconds ago. So historical is very broad um, in terms of what that means for uh, for using machine learning. And, and if you're working with literally real-time data that's coming into a model that's happening in real time, you're still getting a lot of information really quickly out to where it needs to go. So I think it's a combination of Thinking of historical as more broad, what that means, it's not like historical, I had to look back a, a quarter ago. And it's also, there's just new methods coming out. Technology is getting better. We can process things faster. We can hold more data. We've got more people going into these fields in, in academic settings and really thinking about new um, algorithms, new methods to solve problems, how to take these algorithms like your brain and make it more similar to how humans think. So I think, um, those combinations really can lead to innovation. And you see it, you can look up articles and you'll see there's innovation continuously going on. And yeah, and the uh, part about the historical data is again, like Nina is saying, talking about this, it's a specific type of learning. We're doing prediction modeling. So in, in some sense, you're looking at historical data and trying to see is there a, some kind of a curve or a function I can fit to this data so that I can predict much like sort of predicting weather and, and storms and so on. Um, it, it, it has a lot of benefit in being able to predict a lot of these things, but that's not just it, right? Like we, th there are, there's this whole uh, area of supervised learning where you're not necessarily taking historical data, but you're saying, can I come up with some kind of guidelines that raters can uh, use for doing very complex tasks, create this really good uh, high value data and use that to kind of uh, learn a model that can be used at scale. So something that a human is requiring five minutes per task, you're letting a machine learn and set free on like billions of instances. Uh, that's not necessarily historical data, but I think the sort of the vein of the question was more like, what, what's the innovation uh, if we are just sort of like sticking with patterns that we are observing in the past. And, um, and I think that's like, that's where I kind of wanted to clarify that that's one part of machine learning, but there's like a whole bunch of other ways in which you're not just looking at historical data. I think Deepa and Nina kind of covered the crux of what I'm going to say, but just throwing in some 
technical terms there. Probably if anyone out there is interested, something like cold start problem is what you're referring to. So you can read up a lot of uh, medium articles and even papers that talk about this. There is something that's new coming up called as few short learning, zero short learning, where models are trying to be built on very minimal data or you, uh, you kind of train the model on different data and then try to extrapolate that model on something new. So those are some of the techniques that uh, would be uh, really helpful if you are interested in this space. Wonderful, thank you guys. Um, next question. How do you partner with your product and design teams using machine learning? Yeah, I can take that. So um, as a software engineer, you have to always work with the product. So whatever you are producing, uh, it should always make sense for the users. So it's continuous feedback mechanism. So you develop something iteratively and then you take a feedback and there are matrix that you can use to actually see the, whether, whether your changes, your machine learning algorithms are really giving you what you uh, what you are actually the enhancement that you know, that you're hoping for, and we also have various experimentation techniques like A/B test, which sort of give you sort of the early taste of uh, whatever results that you are looking for. So yeah, that could be one way. So uh, yeah, and here at like Discovery Warner Brothers Discovery, um, machine learning is like the teams are very tightly coupled with product and business. Uh, because at the end of the day, uh, what's the business impact? How are we improving user engagement, the experiences for users on our app and making it a holistic, a good experience for them. And so it, machine learning teams, like all of us, we aren't removed from product or business side. It's really going hand in hand. Some of the things that where we work very sort of closely and sort of try to bring in all the aspects is uh, we are eventually just like focusing on some metrics that we are trying to optimize for it. If it's engagement, um, how how often are people interacting with our content? If it's churn rates, are people joining and leaving us? Um, how can we improve that? And so on. Um, we want to sort of not use just the traditional ways of how the industry has been looking at uh, minutes washed or hours washed and so on, but make it sort of a more healthy metric. Uh, and and how, how can we kind of make it such that, um, yes, it's great for people to watch a lot of our content, but also sort of keeping in mind that their well-being and how they're kind of uh, interacting with the app is is as healthy as it, as it should be. Uh, so we're sort of, there's a huge amount of innovation that will be happening and, and needs to happen in what are those metrics? Um, is watch time the only thing that that our models need to optimize for? Is churn rate the only metric to tell us if people are happy? And that's where the product and business like plays a, a key role. Like we we do, it's a part on the engineering and so on, but the metric needs to be set, set what like sort of our North Star is set with all of us at the table, the business product, engineering, and the data science folks. And it might not be the same across all of the brands, which I think is more exciting. Yes, it, it definitely adds to the challenge. 
Something that I have also seen is that uh, since a lot of us are users of these platforms, like be it e-commerce, media, like the streaming services, all of these, all of us feel that something will add value to it. Like all of us have some ideas that can improve the uh, system or that can improve the user experience. But uh, one main value addition or uh, that I can see from the product managers and collaborating with them so closely is that they bring in that business perspective while we prioritize these each of these features. I might feel that something is great if we do it, but maybe it's not something that all the users need it. So that's kind of the insight the product brings in. And that really helps in prioritizing our work and delivering uh, high uh, impact in short amount of time. Yeah, and I, I think as Deepna was mentioning as well with, with uh, CNN and uh, HBO and Discovery and like this is sort of a variety of um, content and, and different ways of engagement that people have with this variety of content. It's going to be an extremely fascinating time to kind of figure out what's our North Star metrics, what are we really optimizing for? And, and as I was saying, like now sort of bringing in uh, learning from the lessons that we've learned from the Netflixes and YouTubes of this, it's not just that one metric. It's going to be, it's going to be a more holistic metric. And, um, and so I think that that's where, that's where a lot of our collaboration with design and product and, uh, business is going to be. Awesome. Thank you guys. Okay. Next question. Where do you see the future of machine learning and AI going? Um, I see like a lot of trendy things coming up in machine learning. One big thing we might all relate to is metaverse. Uh, I think with all of us working from home, we have seen uh, what all metaverse can bring uh, or add value to. So I think that's something that I'm uh, pretty uh, excited about and looking forward to because there will be a lot of machine learning and AI that needs to happen to actually make metaverse really good. Um, the other thing that uh, I have been reading a bit about is uh, generative models. So in uh, the outside world, not the industry, but for a normal human, uh, it would be something like you might have seen uh, these uh, news articles where it says that, oh, a machine actually did a painting or machine came up with a movie script, it created music. So this is all coming from those generative models. That's very exciting. But in our industry where we rely so much on data, one impact that these models can have is actually generating the data itself. With deep learning, we want more and more data, which getting good quality data, we all just discussed how difficult it is. So having these generative models, I think uh, will add a lot of value in the industry to get this data as well. So those are kind of two things that I'm looking forward to. The biggest thing is just going to be, there's gonna to continue to be improvements in technology, which is gonna allow for more uh, advanced application of ML and more advanced algorithms. I mean, you think about even neural nets and deep learning, I mean, it's been around a while, but now you have so much faster um, computers allows to get more intelligent and to, to make machine learning more intelligent. So as it continues to happen, it's going to open a lot of doors for a lot of industries. Um, I think from, from my perspective, I just, I like to watch what industries are starting to leverage it more and more because it, I remember media started leveraging it more and more, then it became more about 
Uh, I see gaming companies using it. Uh, I see um, uh, there was the, the Bitcoin companies and the, um, the smaller um, investment companies, startups starting you know, to really invest. So I think watching what's going on in the different newer industries is important, especially looking for opportunities. Yeah, I was just going to add something contentious here uh, for, for fun, but I think I'm, I'm a huge data privacy nerd, and I do think that um, we have sort of uh, tipped way too far in the other direction. And so I'm personally looking forward to taking a few steps back, actually respecting people's privacy and what kind of a role machine learning will play. Uh, with that uh, in mind. So I'm, I'm very much looking forward to more companies thinking about that and um, working towards that because I, uh, it, I mean, um, we, we mentioned metaverse, I could go on and on about that. Uh, <laughs> but I think we need more companies to sort of balance us in the other direction too. So I'm looking forward to that. Yeah, I think a big plus one to that, uh, to me, that's also like one of the things of, of where there there is need for a lot more innovation is how can we make it all privacy preserving and and still get all the benefits that we can with automation uh so huge plus one i think that's that's uh that's where i think it tend, it needs to go grow and go a lot lot more all right guys we're almost at time and i know we have a ton of questions that we haven't gotten to um but for one final question what have been the most impactful books you've read that apply to machine learning or in your career within tech slash media? Uh, I don't uh, remember the specific book names, but I would definitely recommend, and I know somebody asked about that. So I would recommend uh, AI courses by UC Berkeley. In general, they have a lot of courses on deep learning, machine learning. And at least when I studied, I remember that made it open to public. And I think that might still be the case. So that's something I would highly recommend. There's a textbook called An Introduction to Statistical Learning. Uh, that That's a, a one that I know we use quite a bit um, starting the, my career. And then um, there's definitely some data mining books out there. I uh, don't remember the exact authors, but there's definitely quite a few that you probably find that have at least a good intro if, if for people who are getting started. So I'd say that along with the courses can give a good foundation. Yeah, it, I think the early machine learning books, um, Tom Mitchell or any any of those textbooks, I think they definitely get you started on the right path. And then that together with a, a lot of courses that are there, Andrew has uh, the free course uh, uh, on ML and um, it, especially if you're interested in more hands-on stuff, the courses are actually very, it's, they're wonderful. Once we have some foundation with um, all the formal training, I think uh, one thing that has really helped me stay up to date is like blogs. So a lot of companies, a lot of academics, they are actually working in the space doing a lot of research. So they publish uh, regular blogs on Medium or even their company uh, website blogs. And those really uh, help you to stay up to date as well. I think OpenAI and uh, BAR, uh, Berkeley Artificial Intelligence Research are one of the two good blogs that I follow regularly. Thank you so much, ladies, for this. This has been a fantastic um, panel. I hope the audience got um, some great insights and great value from this. Um, 
this will be a recurring series. So please do join us for future events. Um, and thank you so much. Have a wonderful afternoon. Thanks again for joining us. We really hope you enjoyed today's conversation. If you did, please rate and review this podcast, which will help other women in our industry to find this content. And of course, like, share and subscribe for more. And for careers in this space, check us out at wbd.com careers.